everyone, and welcome to Functional Fertility, the podcast designed to demystify your hormones, up-level your lifestyle, and supercharge your fertility potential. We don't always acknowledge what does that mean to feel safe? Like, like it doesn't mean that there's this obvious threat of like, I'm going to be attacked. Like, it can be these little micro aggressions, like a nurse at the doctor's office who, you know, just had like very cold bedside manner when she did the transvaginal ultrasound. Like we have to cultivate our own inner safety going into situations where we can stand up for ourselves in a situation where we're like, mm, not that nurse. <laughs> like there's so many examples in which this comes up that we help people kind of rework this in their mind. Like, how would you do this differently if you were accessing your own inner safety? I'm your host, Dr. Kalia Waddles, and today we're going on an exploration of often unseen fertility contributors with my fellow naturopathic doctor and lover of all things reproductive health, Dr. Katie Rose. Dr. Rose is a licensed naturopathic physician and fertility coach who has helped hundreds overcome infertility. Her unique three-step method to support the body, mind, and spirit has allowed her clients to conceive despite years of unexplained infertility, failed IVF treatments, PCOS, Hashimoto's, endometriosis, and recurrent pregnancy loss. I just feel so aligned with her philosophy and approach, and I'm so excited to chat with her. Welcome, Dr. Rose. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be here. I have really been looking forward to this because for a very long time, I have identified, we have so many synchronicities and areas of overlap in what we like to treat and what we like to educate about. So this is just so uh, wonderful and amazing to have you on the show today. And I think I'll just jump right in with a topic that is beloved to both of us, unexplained infertility. We both talk about that so much. Yeah, we, I can get a little fired up about it. Um, maybe even like, Oh, my blood pressure is rising. going to do some nervous system regulation. Cause I think you and I both, you know, we feel similarly about this unexplained word It's like, well, is it really unexplained or have we not unearthed some of these potential underlying features of this person's health and how that impacts their fertility? I like to be careful of like, you know, not digging so much, so hard that we are adding to stress, but so many times the people who come into my office or into my program, who've been given this definition of unexplained infertility, like when we start asking the right questions, we start unearthing some answers, right? Couldn't agree more. Is it unexplained infertility or have we just not asked the right questions? Are we willing to remain curious and to go to those places that have thus far been unexplored? And I think that's a big theme of today's episode. So one thing I love about your content, you're such an educator. You're looking at labs and your patient's history and all of these patterns that help you, I think, to identify how you'd like to proceed and what are the contributing factors that have really set someone up on their current health trajectory? Pattern recognition is a big piece of medicine. Yes. I think I'm always looking for patterns and I see you doing the same thing in your practice. Are there some common patterns or conditions that you discover in those patients who have received this diagnosis of unexplained infertility? Absolutely. So <laughs> inflammation 
inflammation is a big one. And I realize that term might be pretty vague to someone who's not in the medical community, but it's something that, you know, when you start asking the right questions, these features start to pop out too. Like, you know, someone's fatigued all the time. They have insomnia, they have joint pain or muscle aches. They have some significant acne or eczema or history of autoimmunity. There's so many questions that we can ask that probably maybe weren't being asked at an OBGYN's office and we can test differently when we look at it through this lens of like, Hmm, could inflammation be blocking them from ovulating regularly? Or, um, there's something going on with their endometrium where implantation is less likely to occur because of this level of inflammation. Inflammation. That's another one of my favorite topics too. Maybe, maybe we've talked about this before that I've heard a quote that naturopathic doctors are inflammologists. <laughs> I haven't I mean, heard this that. This is so true. That's I mean, that's, cute. <laughs> it's our specialty, right? We know how to assess for and to look for root causes of inflammation. And I see this in, in fertility all the time. And the thing about inflammation that we could really get into is there is this this overarching effect into every body system. When we look at inflammation, I mean, you mentioned many different manifestations of inflammation, fatigue and headaches and pain. Well, that's because we see inflammation affecting our immune system and our cellular energy production and our ability to detoxify and our hormones and our metabolic function, right? So this is a worthwhile investigation. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So that's certainly one very common thread. And uh, once we're able to identify, okay, they have inflammation that still doesn't like, that's not the end of the story. We want to also understand, well, what is keeping you inflamed? Is it something about the way you're eating? Are you not getting enough sleep? And is that something that we can support or manipulate somehow? Um, Is it stress levels? I mean, stress in and of itself can contribute to inflammation. Is it toxin exposures? So we have to keep asking the questions and unearthing this because the story could be different for every person who has inflammation too. It probably is different for every person, right? That goes back to that part of remaining curious. This question always comes up when I talk about inflammation. Are you doing some lab testing to assess inflammatory burden, or do you have enough information based on the patient's symptoms and their history that you can make a judgment call, you're inflamed, and then call upon some of your favorite treatment modalities? What's your approach? It depends on how, like, what are, what are the patient's resources? Number one, like, do they have insurance? Are we able to run some blood tests? And if we can, then yes, there are certainly some tests I'm going to run like C-reactive protein, a sedimentation rate, uh, even a white blood cell count can tell you a lot. Like those three simple tests can give you a lot of information. If we can't run labs for some reason, they don't have insurance, limited resources, they're in another country, um, then symptoms are still a great guidepost for this. And yeah, we, we still use our favorites. Um, sometimes people need the lab work in front of them to make changes. <laughs> they need to see on paper, like, Ooh, my body doesn't like this, even though they've been feeling it for years. Sometimes even like the brain fog that comes with inflammation can make it difficult to initiate change. Isn't that interesting? I'm really guilty of that personally, that I will yeah. change what I can measure. Yeah. And many of us are, 
Yeah. So Why true. do we do that? <laughs> I know it's a problem, but I feel like measuring, I'm very aligned with what you're saying. We can make so we we can make an educated guess based on all kinds of symptoms and history. I love to do some testing. You mentioned CRP, a high sensitivity high sensitivity C-reactive protein is one of my favorites for tracking because how powerful and validating and satisfying to see those inflammatory biomarkers come down with even really simple treatments like an uh, an elimination diet or yeah. some yeah. supplements that we can certainly get into. That is just really reaffirming for all of us. So I I definitely agree with that approach. On this topic of labs and patterns and unexplained infertility, I would love to hear from your perspective if this if this comes up in your clinic, even though I'm certain that it does. I'll get patients who have been diagnosed with unexplained infertility, but then when I do some lab work, I'll see they have raging insulin resistance or they are completely yeah. vitamin D deficient. And in my mind, that's not unexplained infertility. I can explain this. Yeah. Are these yeah. patterns you're seeing all the time as well? Um, I had three today. So yeah. yes. I thought that might be the case. <laughs> yes. I had someone whose insulin came back at a 62 today. Um, another person whose vitamin D was an 8.8. So I was like, how are you walking around in this world? Like this is yeah. wild. Um, so our bodies are amazing in the sense that they can adapt to these situations to keep us surviving, but it's not thriving. Right. And those changes, like, so insulin and how that affects ovarian health and egg health and the, the inflammation process yes. um, is pretty significant as well. So even for someone who's like been through IVF and failed IVF treatments, and they're being told that, oh, maybe you should do this again. And we can just change the protocol. Well, these nutrient deficiencies, inflammation, insulin resistance, these are all contributing to egg quality and IVF does not treat egg quality. So we've got to back up here in a big way and treat these causes, restore these nutrients, balance this blood sugar. It's oof, getting, yeah. getting fired up. This is a really important conversation. And I know why you're getting fired up because I feel it too. And our patients feel it too. And I'm sure we have listeners who are feeling they have been in the same exact situation. This is a hard conversation when we have to come to that point to say it is so worthwhile to do this work, to yeah. get ready. There, there will definitely be times when I'm working with the patient and they they still need to go through the IVF process, right? Yeah. That's still part of their journey. But I know that these modif modifiable factors that we're acting on now are going to improve their outcome. And so now we're at this place where we have to put in the work ahead of time. And that can be really frustrating. That's kind of the lead into my next question for you, because I know that you have this great love of mind-body medicine and that that comes into all of your treatment plans. And when we're working with a patient who has you know, this unexplained infertility diagnosis, I often find they're under the impression they've done every test, they've modified every factor, they have turned over every stone, and now they're just hopeless. Like they're at the end of their rope. How do you frame this conversation of um, instilling hopefulness that you can work on cultivating whole person resiliency. And that is going to be beneficial yeah. no matter the outcome. So I think we have to sometimes start with small nuggets of 
of information and meeting someone where they are, meeting someone at their current belief state so we can understand it. Um, Because just going from someone who's maybe been through several failed treatments or they've had several pregnancy losses and like that hopelessness is palpable, just being able to tell them like, you can do this, like that is toxic positivity in its finest form right there. So, you know, validating that like, yes, this experience has been really hard. I'm sure it's taken its toll on you. You may feel like you've tested everything, but I have a few more questions for you. And if you can, you know, if we can keep an open mind and stay curious with me and trust that there might be something else that we can unearth and support differently, like how would that feel for you? Most people are like, oh, okay. Like I'm I'm willing to get you can ask me questions. Sure. And then as we start to ask the questions, most of the time people kind of like, you see this light bulb moment. They're like, no one's ever asked me what I eat before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one's ever asked me how I sleep. And there's always something like, oh, there's always something or no one ever asked me about, you know, how traumatizing it was to go through my first pregnancy loss. Like it, you know, some doctors just are like, well, let's just move on, keep going here. And it's like, sometimes we have to stop. We really have to understand what this person has been through so that we can move them into a state of maybe it doesn't go from hopelessness to full faith overnight, but move them into a state of like, I'm curious now. I see some possibilities opening up for me and that reignites hope. There's a sliver of light in the darkness and that's all we need. No one's ever asked me what I use on my body and the to clean my house and whether I live near a a factory. It's like no, refinery no. here. <laughs> exactly. There's there's usually some some questions and things change over time. I, I talk about that all the time. That if you maybe had testing or you were in your body five years ago, but it looks different now. So let's see what's going on with you right now. Yes. So much truth to it. I don't know if this is something you see a lot, but, um, for my IVF patients there, they will have often started at a clinic. They run their initial labs. They go through whatever they go through treatment wise. And maybe it's been two or three years and they've never repeated any labs. (laughs) Well, yeah, things do change. Your body changes. IVF is stressful. Let's see. Let's see how we can support this differently is always a good place to start. Yeah. Yep. I know you recently taught a class on uncovering unseen fertility blocks, and maybe we've mentioned some of these already. Are you willing to share with us some of those common unseen blocks that your patients experience? Absolutely. So I, I really kind of divide this into three categories. So the physical we've touched on, right? So the insulin resistance, inflammation, nutrient deficiencies. I want to include microbiome issues in this. We love the microbiome as Mm -hmm. well. Um, And, you know, some of these things we can test for, we can unearth information about these on lab work, but we've got other things going on in our world, right? So we have this emotional and this spiritual piece, and we can't separate these from the physical body and the emotional and the spiritual. I don't know that I've met one patient who feels like those have ever been thoroughly asked about or addressed in their Western medical treatment plans. And I've talked to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients about this. And so when the emotional part comes up, like this goes beyond just like, are you feeling positive about this? Like, 
what have you experienced? Where do you carry this in your body? How can we help clear this? There's so many different tools to support people, but we aren't born with a user manual, right? Like we, we go through life just trying to get through the day and all of these little things kind of accumulate to, you know, in such a way that we, we tend to suppress in order to survive. And the Mm -hmm. spiritual piece, this does has nothing to do with whether or not someone is religious or believes in God. This is more of like, what is your relationship to your own intuition? Do you trust yourself? Do you trust that there might be something greater than us guiding this process that, you know, we're bringing a third person into this world. We don't have full control over this. And how can we help someone feel more trusting, more guided by their own inner power, their own intuition versus relying on everyone else's outside input. And this very like frantic piecing together of a plan. Well, to that loop this lot, back, <laughs> no, that's great because we just talked about the fact that you're on this mission to ask the questions that no one else has asked before. I can, I can confidently say in a medical setting, no one has ever asked me how my spiritual health is, or even talked to me about what that might look like. Yeah. I, I read somewhere recently that when we are disconnected from our spiritual health, no matter what that looks like for us, it's like this open wound that is open at all times. And I can so, I can see and visualize how this plays out. If you have this spiritual wound and then you're going through these traumatic experiences of maybe pregnancy loss or just struggling to conceive as quickly as you thought you would and how that pain might just be really heightened by this real, real need for support in your mental, emotional, spiritual wellness. So I feel very encouraged you're going there. Yeah. And it's hard to articulate, you know, like we, even like in medical school, we're not necessarily given all of these tools. We have mind body medicine, of course, and that's been extremely valuable in, you know, my own training, my own development as a human (laughs) doing Mm -hmm. this really emotional work, but the spiritual piece has been like a next layer that has had to develop working with patients who are struggling with fertility because it is like, it just came through as like, this is a huge missing piece. It truly is. Maybe this is the perfect way to introduce. I know that you use a three-step method to support the body and the mind and the spirit. And I'm assuming these things are kind of linked together, these unseen fertility blocks, and then your method for really supporting someone as a whole person. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? And what I'm particularly interested in is uh, when you identify that someone needs some spiritual support, whatever, whatever that looks like for them, how do you help someone find what that means for them or connect to their, their spiritual wellness? Because I think many of us are disconnected from this part of our life and our being. And, and so even just starting there of like, Oh, well, what kind of spiritual practice do you have? It might be, Whoa. So eye opening. Yeah. Okay. So quickly on the three-step process, because we've, we've already kind of touched on some of this, but number one is this whole person assessment. So we're not just asking the questions about like, are you pooping every day? And what does your period look like? We're also asking like, how are you feeling about this? Um, if you have 
you know, suffered a loss or just, again, this is taking longer than you thought it would. Like, how does that come through? Like, how do you show up for that experience? How would you like to feel differently? And from the spiritual asking the questions about like, do you trust yourself? Like when a big decision comes up, do you feel confident in making a decision or are you having to ask from like all these other outside sources for information and guidance on that? A little bit of that is okay, but the constant second guessing oneself on the fertility journey is like crazy making. So these are some of the questions that we might ask to understand where someone needs the most support. Step two is taking them through what I call the reproductive safety arc. So this is like this all encompassing way of approaching the physical, emotional, spiritual pieces that cannot be separated. So we might've identified that, okay, this person needs to be taking XYZ supplements to support their inflammation and their vitamin D deficiency and their blood sugar. But we've also associated like they don't trust themselves and emotionally they don't feel worthy. We can't really expect them to stay consistent with this really potentially complex physical plan if they don't feel worthy and they don't trust themselves. So they're going to come through this after a month and be like, well, I mean, I did this, but I didn't really do that. Nothing's going to work for me because ultimately we need to be addressing their worthiness issue first before we can expect them to feel really good with whatever physical plan we have. And so that's one big missing chunk of what I see in people who have maybe worked with other providers already is they were like, well, here was the plan I was doing. I'm like, this plan looks great. What else, (laughs) what else happened here? So that's part of the reproductive safety arcs. We have to get you mind, body, spirit, feeling safe to receive this help, this care, this future baby, it gets all connected. And then the third piece is embodiment. So this is integrating those pieces, identifying who you want to be in such a way that it starts to just be easy to do these things. It starts to feel natural. It starts to feel like, oh, I am finally stepping into who I meant to be. Wow. Beautifully said. It kind of got me thinking when you're saying how you are really cultivating the sense of safety. And I've talked about how our body assesses safety by looking at things like light and dark cues and the temperature and energy availability. But you're right. This is the missing piece of, am I deserving of this? Am I worthy? Of course, that's going to contribute to whether you feel safe or not. And and even I have um, de-emphasized that, that Mm -hmm. aspect of safety. So I think that was, that's a really profound part of your plan. Yeah. And I think you know, and this is maybe for all of us, it's like, we don't always acknowledge what does that mean to feel safe? Like, like it doesn't mean that there's this obvious threat of like, I'm going to be attacked. Like it can be these little micro aggressions, like a nurse at the doctor's office who, you know, just had like very cold bedside manner when she did the transvaginal ultrasound, like, Ooh, like we have to cultivate our own inner safety going into situations where we can stand up for ourselves in a situation where we're like, "Mm, not that nurse. (laughs) Like there's so Mm -hmm. many examples in which this comes up that we help people kind of rework this in their mind. Like, how would you do this differently if you were accessing your own inner safety? And I could go 
we could go on about that for a while, but people don't often associate like safety and their body not being responsive when it comes to getting pregnant and staying pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh, yes, this is, that is a very important topic. And, um, I think something that, that you mentioned is how, how easy it is to second guess ourselves when we're on this fertility journey, even if it's kind of going according to plan. I'm just thinking about you using ovulation predictor kits. That's the example that immediately (laughs) came to my mind and like staring at these urinary test strips all the time. Is it positive? Is it dark enough? Is the (laughs) is the test darker than the control and how oftentimes I am connecting patients with licensed mental health counselors in our area who specialize in perinatal care, just because the whole experience can be anxiety producing, even if it's pretty typical. Yes. Oh, and I know that I know your um, experiences with the OPKs too. Yes. So that's why I laugh. Um, I don't laugh because hilarious because it's like so relatable, right? Yeah. So are you, are you doing this work in looking at mental, emotional, spiritual health? Are you doing that with patients in your office? Are you referring out just if someone is listening and they're thinking, what kind of practitioner do I need to help partner with me through this part of my journey? Any advice for us? Well, I do a lot of this in my practice and a lot of this within our group program online. And there are absolutely times when someone needs to be seeing a mental health provider specifically, like if there is, you know, intense, you know, moderate to severe anxiety or depression, or, you know, if they've had a history of needing to be on medications for mental health issues, like, like, first of all, we're, we're going to go through and reduce any shame or stigma around that because it's, no different than someone else having back pain, but we need to make sure they have the right provider for them. But when it comes to like the people who are like, I didn't have stress until I was diagnosed with infertility, like I'm your gal. (laughs) Like those are like, those are the things I love supporting people through and figuring out which tool we can use to support them, how they can feel, you know, very well resourced moving forward and feeling confident in their decisions, feeling empowered in the information they have. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do this in the office. I do this in the group program, just a little bit with my acupuncture patients too, but obviously we give them time to marinate. So lots of opportunity for this. I think the takeaway message though, is if you have any inclination that you need a little support in this realm of your health, there, there's a, there's a provider out there who's going to go to those places with you. And it might be a matter of doing a little searching, but I think more and more we're understanding the mind body connection and fertility is no different. There is absolutely a mind body component to our ability. Like you said, to get pregnant, stay pregnant, have a healthy pregnancy. You talked about kind of digging into someone's history and figuring out, is this, is this a lifelong pattern you've had of maybe, you know, anxiety, or is this really, um, you had a, a never been well since moment. We, we, we say that in mm-hmm. naturopathic and functional medicine, like, oh, they had a never been well since moment. We can see a clear point on the timeline of their life where they had this change in their health status. And it's, 
it's interesting when you go asking these questions because patients will sometimes tell me, I have no trauma history. I don't know. I've never had a big loss. I've never had a big, you know, an injury or a, a gr- big grief situation. And then I always have to have this conversation about, well, trauma doesn't always look like uh, one of my mentors calls it big T trauma, that we can have a bunch of little T traumas, which, you know, it could be kids laughed when you brought your violin to school, but little things like that happened over and over and over again. And then our body holds onto them and they manifest in different ways. So in my experience, almost everyone has some part of their story that needs a little mental, emotional, spiritual healing. Yeah, this is true. Um, and I love that this differentiation between capital T trauma and little T trauma is like these little micro traumas, like likely the nurse with the cold bedside manner, the doctor who called back to be like, well, you still didn't ovulate. Like I, that is one of my clients, little T traumas. She didn't identify that as traumatic. But when we started talking about like, well, how many, you know, how were your doctor's experiences? She's like, well, I had a, over 26 encounters with this doctor. And pretty much all of them were like, nope, you still didn't ovulate. <laughs> And it's like, well, that accumulates over time and that can really influence what we believe about ourselves, but it's not the capital T truth. So I also like, you know, there's big T trauma, there's capital T truth. Like, did God write this on a billboard in the sky and say, this is the truth forevermore? No. So can we change that? Can we reframe it? Can we give you a tool to process it? Absolutely. Oh, I'm going to use the big T truth <laughs> going forward. That's Please brilliant. <laughs> yes. I love that. So many of us are driven by labs and numbers and data, and we accept that as our truth. And I'm always saying these are pieces of information, but they are not your destiny. So yeah. how can we shift the focus to really doing this, this deep inner work when we feel a sense of urgency, the clock is ticking. I want to get pregnant. I mean, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how, how do we not let the numbers dictate our story so much? Oh, well, if you find a perfect for answer for that, you <laughs> will have to tell me because That's what I, I asked you, found, yes. Well, what I have found is like, you can lead a horse to water. You can't force them to drink. Right. So I have, I have people I work with now who I remember doing, you know, like a brief um, complimentary consultation with four years ago who were like, "Mm, you know, this sounds intriguing. I can see the value in it, but I also need to buy new furniture. And it's like, sometimes people's brains just are not ready to wrap themselves around that information and the need to look at things differently, even if it means that we're actually improving their fertility odds. It's like, sometimes there's no rational way to tell people like, Mm -hmm. you've got to, you've got to work on the trauma. They're like, what trauma? I don't have trauma. So you plant a seed, you hope it grows and you do your best to share the information. I mean, you do such a beautiful job of sharing information. And, you know, I think there's this level of awareness that people can cultivate over time as they watch you. And like, 
you just never know what piece of information you put out that will click with someone and be like, oh, now I see. Now this is for me. I can do this. That's a big perfect answer. Yeah. There is no perfect answer. I think I set you up because there is no answer for that one. (laughs) And you're exactly right that that's why we, we educate in any venue that we can, because something is going to stick with someone and they're going to be ready for it in that moment. And that's going to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't let this time pass by without asking you this burning question, because I've seen, I've seen you share about this before. And I'm, I'm just so curious about this piece and it's anger. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm going to this anger place because (laughs) this, this is so nuanced. And I, I imagine as our fertility journey progresses and it's not ending up how we want anger can build. How does anger that we're holding on to impact our fertility? There are a few different ways. One of them, me being a traditional Chinese medicine nerd and practicing acupuncture is that the liver is the organ associated with anger in Chinese medicine. And of course the liver is also responsible for metabolizing our hormones and building our blood. And these have a more obvious impact on fertility. So if we have suppressed anger, we might see more PMS symptoms. We might see more painful periods because there is stuck energy in the liver meridian from a more like global, when we've been talking about emotions perspective, like we see anger affecting sleep. We see it affecting relationships because there's unmet needs that, you know, that like, we have to ask like, what is behind the anger? Like, it's never just anger and anger is justified. Number one, like, I want to just put this out there. Anyone out there who is feeling anger, maybe they haven't identified that's what it is yet. Like your anger is very likely so valid. And we have to find safe ways to express our anger so that we can release it. But it can also contribute to this nervous system dysregulation, which like, I realize some people out there might be like, what do you need mean by that? But it's just like, when we, when we react in a way that we were like, Ooh, I didn't want to react that way. And then we see the anger is paired with guilt because we're like, oh, I, I lashed out at my partner because they said something just so insensitive. And now I feel like such a jerk. I feel so guilty. And now we have like layers of emotions that are not serving mm-hmm. us. So when we have something like that, and then we're in fight or flight response, which just directs blood flow away from our reproductive organs, like, well, how is this accumulating over time and potentially impacting? circling back to our body feeling safe. So I want to just make sure people understand, like it is safe to feel all spectrum of emotions. Like you are not required to feel positive 100% of the time in order to get pregnant. We have to feel safe to feel the emotions though. And Mm -hmm. some feedback that I've gotten from clients is that they were never told it was safe to feel angry. They were never told they were allowed to feel some of these emotions that are considered like bad emotions. So there's a lot to be looking at with anger. And I personally think that anger is sacred. Anger 
rage. It is sacred. It is a guidepost and it can give us this clue that there is an unmet need. And when we can learn how to get that need met, we've opened up another block. Anger is sacred. Yes. I have two follow-up questions. Well, I have a thought okay. and then a follow-up question and I'm not going to forget. So the first thing I just have to share with you, because I think you'll get a kick out of this and hearing you talk, I, I guide groups through a comprehensive elimination diet so that we can identify our food sensitivities and lower our inflammation. And inherently in that food plan, it's very produce rich. It's very full of nutrients and fiber and we see that there's some liver detoxification that happens just because our emphasis on hydration and all this fresh produce. And I had someone contact me and she said, I'm two weeks into my three week elimination diet. And I don't think I can do it anymore because I'm getting so mad. Like my (laughs) husband doesn't want me to do the plan anymore. We're eating so many vegetables that I'm just like feeling rage. And I had to wonder if it was like this liver connection that we're just really stirring it up. And it Very was likely. unexpected. Oh, gosh. I want to know. I want to know so many more details for her life. Yeah, I know. It's very interesting. Uh, just end of one case study. My mm-hmm. next question is, um, I have mixed feelings about this statement and it changes based on the day, how I feel about it. And so I wanted to get your, your gut reaction today. I hear people say in regards to emotions, it has to come up to come out. And so I'm kind of interpreting that is we have to identify it. Like if it's, if it's anger, you're feeling, let's identify that it's anger so that you can release it. Sometimes, sometimes for some reason, it feels blamey. It feels a little yeah. blamey to me, that statement. And it doesn't sit right with me on some days, maybe because I'm feeling sensitive. What's your initial reaction when you hear people say, oh, well, it's gotta, it's gotta come up to come out. I just don't know that that's true because, you know, we look at something like acupuncture or homeopathy that is just very energetically tuning. And mm-hmm. sometimes people will you know, say like, Oh, I've felt weirdly emotional since I started taking this. And you know, that's part of the healing response, but we may not be able to identify what the emotion was. We may not be able to identify like, what was the trauma? What was the initiating event? Like, I think we have to separate ourselves from needing to know all the time and trusting that there are so many paths to this destination. And maybe one person does need to be able to like, give it a name to get it up and out. But I think there's other ways of identifying like where and how something might be stuck. That's just been my experience. I think that that's very well said. And that gives me an idea. We need a whole follow-up episode on our relationship with control (laughs) and how that affects our fertility journey, right? (laughs) Guilty on so many levels in that department. So uh, that was very helpful. I know that this is going to be, I'm going to ask you to make an overgeneralization, which isn't always easy, but we've talked about so many things that can contribute to unexplained infertility, for example. And these are real things, inflammation, insulin resistance, toxic exposures. These are all very real. Do you have an experience of a patient that comes to your mind and we don't need a full case study, but just so that we know that this is a possibility, someone whose labs 
look beautiful. You can't identify anything in their history. On paper, it looks perfect. But this mental, emotional, spiritual realm is really the area that needed a tender, loving care. And once you go into those places, they get pregnant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I have a lot I needed I to hear. A, I have a lot yeah. of case studies of that. Um, and it is, it is really reaffirming because I, I didn't start out practicing in this way. Like I was very much more focused on the physical pieces. Um, but I've learned so much from my patients and especially like going through the pandemic and starting a group program where I just, I had so many more people to support. It became so clear at some point that like this was a missing piece. And so, yes, absolutely. This is a big factor for many individuals whose labs truly are perfect. It is possible to have like all of these numbers in ideal ranges. And that is maybe even more frustrating sometimes when you are the person whose labs those are. Um, so I think also just you know, staying open and curious to there being something beyond what we can look at on paper. That was the call to action. That's, that's what I was trying to, the message I was trying to deliver is there's more than what's on that piece of paper. So just remain curious. Yes. yes. That was the message. I always like to end our episodes with a couple fun questions. So my first fun question to you is what's one practice that you're doing every day to support your own mental, emotional, spiritual wellness? So I do tapping emotional freedom technique pretty much every day. And I've used tapping for a long time. My mom actually introduced me to it when I was in my first year of medical school. And then of course, by third, second, third year, when we're in our mind body classes, um, I had more exposure to it. So that has been a really important tool for me. And even over the last year, like I've probably tapped every, almost every day and have even run like an individual program for tapping. <laughs> so there's really that for me is something that I can almost always shift from a state of overwhelm, frustration, anxiety, even just shifting into neutrality is such a powerful place to be. And so that's for me, like one of my number one tools for my own emotional regulation. Mm -hmm. For anyone who's listening, who doesn't know what tapping or emotional freedom technique is, go Google it. It involves physically tapping on your body. You don't need any yes. fancy tools. You just need yourself. Nope. It's free. It's genius. It's amazing. And it also like incorporates my TCM nerdiness because these points are acupressure points. So like we're moving energy. It's so cool. That is so, so cool. I know you love to learn as do I, we are students for life, <laughs> always learning. So oh, yeah. is there something you love to learn about right now? I, I usually ask my medical guests, like when you go on PubMed, which is a, an archive of medical literature, what are you searching for? What do you want to read about? Yeah. So my, my obsession for about the last year also has been this mind body piece and how does the nervous system regulate like circulation to the reproductive organs. And unfortunately, like we don't have a huge body of data on this for fertility specifically. So we kind of have to extrapolate it. Like, 
other conditions that are related to fertility. Uh, so that it's a little frustrating when you try to research this. Um, so just for me, knowing how powerful it's been just with what I feel like the limited tools that I have had, um, I am pursuing my certification in hypnotherapy this year because I, I realized that that is just one more level of accessing like these deeper beliefs that people have and the, the subtle ways in which we have self-sabotage and don't really realize like why that's coming through and how that dysregulates our body. So that's what I'm really excited about right now. Well, I can't wait. Please keep us posted on everything <laughs> you're learning because in the realm of uh, immunologic infertility and this psycho neuroimmunology research that's coming oh gosh, out, it's yeah. so interesting. So I'm going to check in with you in five years and see <laughs> all of the work that's been done. But it's just so fun to hear about what you're learning. And I wanted to thank you so much for sharing all of these gems and insights and everything that's swirling in your brain with us. It's just been such a pleasure to chat with you. Oh, you too. Thank you for having me. Thank you for creating this podcast. I know how much it takes to produce something like this. And I am just honored to be here. My honor to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you to our listeners. I'm always just delighted that you choose to spend your time with us. To our show's producer, Paola Martini, thank you so much. We can't wait to see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Did you love this episode and want to hear more? Head over to drkaliawaddles.com slash podcast where you can find more episodes on all things fertility.